welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Billy Sharp. Hailing from London, where she was a contemporary art curator, she moved to San Francisco in 1993 with her musician husband, Jonah Sharp. She started a family and a record label, founded a green cleaning business, and curated many multimedia cultural events. Billy has just come out with a book called Lemons and Lavender, The Eco Guide to Better Homekeeping. Welcome, Billy. I'm so delighted you could join us. Hi, thanks for having me. Billy, what inspired you to become a modern day Mrs. Beaton? Well, um, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention, I believe, and um, it certainly was the case with me. Um, But it was also tempered with a desire um, not to uh, get too bogged down with the very kind of materialist nature of, of contemporary society, or Western society, I should say, and I think um, as I came to have children, I began to see how how poorly that fit with me personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your book really is a call to return to old time values like like thrift and family meals with home cooking and avoiding waste. You talk about these virtues still being practiced in the UK. Why do you think that's so? And do you think that they have been lost in the U.S.? Well, I think, uh, you know, I I think you have to um, see things in, you know, the historical uh, context and perspective. And um, in in Europe as a whole, I think um, the standard of living was all, you know, since the Second World War had been um, lower than in the States. And the States always, you know, was conceptualized by Europeans as the land of plenty, and it, it certainly was. I, I remember the first time I was in um, in the U.S. in the 80s, and I was, you know, here for a few months and was very inspired and loved it, but I, I, I went home, and my girlfriend, Georgia, said to me, wow, you put some weight on, and I was like, really? And I stepped on the scales, and sure enough, I had, and I was just like, well, <laughs> <laughs> the, the portions are bigger. Everything's bigger, and you know, you if it's on the plate, you eat it. You know, and um, and I think that um, life generally um, is is a little more luxurious, and things are a little more pl- plentiful here, e- even now in these somewhat straitened times. And yet you are somewhat put off by what you see as conspicuous waste. What, what kind of turned you into uh, an environmentalist? Well, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, for a lot of people, um, a, a, an awareness of um, wastefulness is it's not difficult to see. And, you know, particularly... Um, you know, I don't know. I, I feel in, in Europe there's less there's less waste. Um, people have less um, have have less to um, you know to start with, and so they're a little more careful and they 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 waste less uh, mm-hmm. generally. 
Um, but, uh, you know, people have, uh, um, have an awful lot here. And, and, you know, for example, a, a thrift store in the States is like a godsend for most Europeans. And a lot of Europeans that come here, you know, yeah, they're shopping in, in for, for new things because it's more affordable here. Um, but they're also heading straight to the thrift stores because there's so much fabulous stuff that is very, very lightly used, whereas a, a, a thrift store in Europe is, is likely to have a lot more tired stuff and, you know, stuff that people are only giving away because its life is really very nearly over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas here, it, it's more of a, it lasts years, it has a little mark, it's a little damaged, so it's gone. And, I, I, I you know, I, that, that may well, well change in the U.S. as people have less resources, um, but uh, but I also think that um, the way we have kind of developed as as a culture in in being very acquisitive is you know it is satisfying to a certain point, but you can't have everything, and people you know realize that, and then they start being a little more discerning about what they really want and, and why they want it. And I, I think that um, there's a, a, the, the new kind of austerity is not just to do with people having less disposable income as people having more awareness that we can't keep consuming and using all our resources and creating new stuff. I mean, you know, I find it very um, disquieting that technology is displaced so quickly and yet the technology that we're discarding is not recyclable and incredibly toxic and um, has taken this huge amount of energy <laughs> to produce and is, is just going to landfill. I mean, I feel like I would have been quite happy to keep, you know, phone number one or two that I had 10 years ago, but I've probably had a new phone every 18 months because I lose them or I drop them mm-hmm. in the toilet or they stop working. They seem to have some <laughs> kind of built-in obsolescence. And, you know, it's, it's really a, a huge concern. And I think when you have children, that concern becomes more apparent because they're, on the one hand, being told to recycle and this you know, be aware and, you know, that they've grown up under the shadow of climate change and what we're doing to our environment. And, you know, obviously we're, we're thinking ahead, particularly when we have children and wondering what the world is going to be like for them. And we have a, we have a chance to impact that world now by the behavior that we, you know, we're yes, I, I, today. I, I, I think too many of us are guilty of, of uh, teaching our children to do what we say rather than what we do. And so it's actually quite refreshing to find someone who is walking their talk. Going, going back to the, the sort of European-American uh, divide, um, in, in Europe, particularly in England, where, where we, we share a certain background, um, there is this sense of value placed on old things, on things with a history, things that, that feel lived in and have character, um, which 
which I, th- I think, um, as you so uh, cogently pointed out, we're, we're lacking here, but possibly catching up to. So we're getting back to this sense of putting, of shifting our values to things that really count. Um, you, you talk a lot about things like thrift and, and budgeting and savings. Don't you think that the, the shift in the economy is partly to blame in the demise of savings? Because, you know, the interest you get doesn't even cover inflation. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, things that, things that, things that are changing very, very quickly here for people. And I, you know, I, I shudder on a daily basis when I think of the people who are really invested in the way the system has been working and, you know, how many homes are foreclosed on, how many, you know, we're just beginning to, um, our kids are, are, are reaching college age. In fact, my eldest son, son starts college this fall. And, you know, it, it's, it's a stupendous amount of money that, you know, of course, coming from Europe, we, coming from England, the government used to pay tuition for the kids, but we've now adopted this fine American system there. And so it's, you know, it's, it's a thing. It's like, you know, how, how are you going to pay for things? Well, I mean, you know, you can in, increase your income if you're capable and not change anything, or you can, budget and be thrifty and have the, you know, have the financial ability to do stuff. And I, you know, I feel like that you just going back to what you said about that being a, a value on, on older things um, in, in the European culture, I, you know, I think the important thing to remember about the States is it is a, it's a very new culture and it's a, it's an amalgam of many different cultures. And I, you know, I always feel a little bit sad when people go, oh, you know, you're so lucky. You come from such a great culture. And I'm just like, well, I think America's an amazing culture. And if I was an American, I would be very proud to be, you know, the descendant of the people who who started this country, not because, you know, it's it's necessarily greater than any other, but it's a new country and it's it's come a long way fast. And I think the the culture itself is quite immature and that, you know, kind of desire for new stuff and big stuff and flashy stuff is is not to do with individuals so much as a, a, a kind of a, a cultural consciousness about being in this huge Maybe. space and filling it up with stuff, you know? <laughs> Maybe we're going through our adolescence. Yeah, uh, I would say so, or even early 20s. Yeah. So, you know, uh, when you're talking about uh, putting your son into college, um, this actually points out a a real uh, decision point for so many people. You can either be thrifty and scrimp and save, as, as many, many immigrant communities have done, you know, for the last hundred years or so, or you can get your child to take on student loans. And, you know, we've just been reading about these loans never expiring. So it, it used to be that kids would work their way through college. Um, there's this, this kind of chaos period that we're in now about how to view money and how to view value. 
um, that I really like that your book is coming out now because it's calling for us to go back to really evaluating what is important. You, You have a whole section in your book on cooking and and family meals and and how to have parties and 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 um you know getting the community together um what what is your view about the importance of of family eating well i mean you know the, there's there's obviously the the um consideration about you know eating at home is uh much cheaper than eating out. Um, it's, it's also um, possible to eat at home more cheaply. Eat, I mean, you know, for example, you know, I like to, um, to think that, you know, 99.9% of what I serve at home is organic and GMO-free, and everyone's always like, oh, but I can't afford to eat like that. You can if you're prepared to prepare the food yourself. And so I think that you know, um, that the whole uh, move into uh, processed food and pre-prepared um, meals was, uh, it, it was very appealing to women, you know, 20, 30 years ago who were being told that, and, and still are being told, that to really be a successful woman, you have to be a homekeeper, a mother, and not only have a job, but have a job that can be considered a career, which I think is the biggest load of flannel anyone ever tried to sell anyone, and I don't know why we bought it. I mean, we seem to have bought a lot over the, over the years, but that was like, that was the one that took the biscuit for me, because I just don't see how it's, um, it's really achievable, and, um, and I think that Eating, eating well is the basis of your health, and um, you've got to do it as best you can. And the way I feed my family is living proof that you can eat the highest quality food and do it affordably and, uh, and even on a very slender budget if you're prepared to get your protein from vegetarian and vegan sources. And then the other thing I think is really important about eating at home is that it's the center of our family culture. And every day that we sit down and eat together, we're checking in with each other and we're you know, it's it's integral to having a healthy family. I mean, it's my my eldest son has been um, he took a year out and was living in London because we we wanted him to uh, to be there and be ready for college and not be just going. Oh my God, I'm in London and everything's so different because of course he'd only ever visited. So you know, our family meals went from four to three and you know that kind of changed the dynamic and then often my husband is doing studio sessions and it's just my son and me and he's like oh mom can't I just sit on the you know my room on the computer and I'm like no you absolutely can't and you know he sort of resists it but then you know we sit down and it's all about him basically I mean you know it's a little bit about me but 
you know, he's stopped asking now. You know, I mean, thank God it's been a year <laughs> since his brother left. But, um, you know, and, and that idea of, you know, kind of having the whole bedroom to himself and kind of living in there and eating in there. I mean, I, I see why that appeals, but, you know, this is this is an important part of the day for a parent to check in with a child and when and check in with each other you know check in with your partner if he's available or she's available um but i really feel that you know this idea of um personal communication in the family and you know wherever possible in your wider community keeps people happy and grounded and there's information exchange and you know, it's basically one of the, the important basic building blocks of, of human culture. And, you know, the fact that we have the ability to, to you know, become these very isolated individuals is, is not particularly healthy on a, on a personal level or, or on a societal level. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when, when I contrast the, uh, the behavior of my English grandchildren with the behavior of the other set, um, it, it's night and day. The English kids are taught to converse with adults, to, to engage, um, with, with the conversation at the table. It, it's, um, just, just kind of night and day anyway. Well, and you know, that, these rooms, you know, it's like, it's not like life's a big boring lesson, but, you know, kids who, who are capable of having a conversation with, an adult are learning important communication skills, which will be, you know, invaluable to them in their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to New Consciousness Review, and we're chatting with Billy Sharp about her book, Lemons and Lavender, The Eco Guide to Better Homekeeping. Billy, um, you, you cover so many useful topics in your book. Tell us about your basic cleaning kit, because you, you actually started up a cleaning company, didn't you? I did, and, um, and I, um, I started that business uh, because I wanted to have a, a business that I could run, I could work, the hour, I could set my own hours, and I could be available for my kids when they came out of school or, you know, if there were things that the school needed parental assistance with that I would, you know, I would be available to change my schedule around. And I needed a business that didn't need um, a lot of capital or any capital, any capital at all, really. And so um, that kind of narrowed the list down quite a lot. And um, I also didn't want to have to invest in um, any training or qualifications or anything else so that narrowed it down a little bit more and and then I had this great idea to uh, to, to 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 start a business using the the kind of cleaning rationale that I used at home and um, I really started to um, eliminate chemicals from my cleaning kit when I had my first son and uh, we actually lived in a warehouse that was over a, a glass cutting workshop and um, 
we had to leave eventually because there would be this chemical seepage, whatever they were using, adhesives or whatever, you would be able to smell it coming up through the floorboards. And, and that kind of alerted me um, to the chemicals in the, in the environment. And then, of course, I took my kid to, my baby, to the clinic. And because we lived downtown, um, they were like, oh, we need to lead test him because, you know, you live so near the freeway and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, I, what else is going on in my house? And, mm. and realized that the things that I was picking up at the store to, to clean with also had chemicals in them. And, and uh, I did a little research and I realized that, you know, I could clean my house without using any hazardous hazardous chemicals and, and really all I needed was some distilled vinegar and a little Castile soap and, you know, very, very basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, so it was a perfect business for me to start. And I also felt that, you know, living in the Bay Area, there was, um, there was a, 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 a heightened awareness of um, the alternative lifestyles, so it, it wasn't a hard sell, um, but a lot of people who were interested in it felt they didn't have the know-how and that, again, like organic food, it was going to be too expensive for them to participate in, but um, uh, it's not, and uh, so I, I felt really good about, um, about that business, and I felt like I was doing you know, um, a service to to my community by showing people that, you know, you could clean more safely and much more cheaply um, without endangering Mm -hmm. family, pets, anyone. And, um, you know, there were some statistics uh, that came out in the 90s about uh, women who worked with domestic chemicals who had 45% higher rates of reproductive organ cancers. And that was very terrifying. Wow. Just by going about, you know, I mean, if you're, say you, you know, you work every day for 20 years with Windex and 409 or, you know, any of those, um, you know, conventional cleaners, and you're working closely with them. And part of the rationale of those kind of cleaning agents is that you spray it on and it does the work. It's not like spraying on vinegar with a little borax in and, and then, you know, scrubbing to make it work. You spray 409 on and things just vaporize. But in that process, there are noxious carcinogens coming out of the air. So if you're working with that stuff every day and you're using it really liberally because you want to work fast and you don't want to have to scrub, you're upping, you know, your, the mm-hmm. amount of toxins that are coming in mm-hmm. through yeah. your lungs. Yep, yep. You also had a great tip about eco-lighting and getting rid of broken compact fluorescents. Could you please pass that on to our listeners because they are such nasty things? Well, I, you know, the, the, the thing, the, the, the really important thing with that is to, you know, to take care of it straight away, to, to get everyone out of the, out of the room and, 
um, not to touch it with your hands. You know, mm. you, you break you, you break you break a, a CFL bulb, and you know you want to scoop it up with some cardboard that you can then everything that touches it you want to be able to throw away. So get a cereal box, flatten it, use it to scoop it up. Um, use like a glass jar with a metal lid. Put it all in there, um, or put it in a plastic bag. Duct tape it up. Um, you know, uh, if you're if you're using if you use a vacuum, get rid of the vacuum bag. Um, you know, uh, it, open windows, get fresh air, and make make sure you're not leaving any residue. And then um, you know, label it and take it to your your hazardous waste collection. Center, which is generally, you know, by the dump or by your um, refuse collection site. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and same goes for like a mercury th thermometer, anything like that. I remember as a child playing with the mercury that came out of a broken <laughs> thermometer and rubbing it onto silver coins and things. Yeah, that it's just funny you say that. So many people have said that to me, and it's just like, well, you know, we, you know, that's that's the evolution of of our society, right? We used to, I mean, you know, people, women used to rub kind of lead oxide on their faces to look pretty, and it would eat their skin away eventually. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we we do these things, and then when we realize we they're not good, we stop doing them, and the the, the really vital part is making sure people know and being open-handed with your information. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the toxic uh, parts of, of these compact fluorescents are really mercury vapor and, and some other nasties. So uh, what, what is the alternative? People can buy these new LED light bulbs, can't they? Yeah, yeah. LEDs are good, and you know, there's a there's a lot of um, you know new technology that's coming through, and I think I, I think what's happening right now is technology has um, has matured and is looking to to make sure things aren't just faster and better and cheaper, but also safer. Safer, um, yeah. Um, I, you know, I think the internet, you know, is, is um, you know, is a huge um, propellant for for society and for for what for what we know as humans because there's so much information flying around on it. I mean, some of it's totally spurious and nonsense, but it's also a lot of good stuff that freely available for people to learn and enhance their life experience with. Absolutely. And like, like anything, use discernment. You talk about the influence of Buckminster Fuller on your work. Can you tell us more about that? Well, um, I was always kind of fascinated by the, the geodesic dome. And um, I thought that was, that was kind of what drew me in to um to to my awareness of him and he was a very um you know one of those really great um american originals which i think um you know there's a lot of american thinkers who 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 had a very 
um, wide open space in their heads to get really um, creative. And, and, and Buckminster Fuller was, was one of those guys. I mean, he was just brimming with ideas. Um, not all of them worked out, but that, you know, to me, that's not that important. The important thing is that you share your ideas and the ones that are good stick. I mean, geodesic domes, everyone I know who's ever lived in one goes, God, yeah, leaking, dreadful, heating, difficult. But um, the, the, the piece um, of Buckminster Fuller's that I really, really love is his um, operating manual for Spaceship Earth, and that's really the, is the, his theory of what we're doing here and, and um, our, our consciousness, how it's evolved. And basically, he, he conceptualizes the planet Earth and the sun and the moon as a spaceship. We're like a, a, a galactic... Um, eco vehicle and we're propelled through space and where our environment is sustained by our relationship to the sun and the moon and um, you know we've evolved as humans on this planet and he felt that you know, through time we had um, gone through these different um, perceptive moments and he he talks about the you know the early earlier human development and when we began to explore and spread around the the planet as the the time of the great pirates and he saw that we had um, enough surplus to create the ability to um, develop technology to make ships and stock those ships with men and resources that could take them out and we would go out and discover stuff, places, and take the resources and bring them back. And that was one phase of, of our development. And we needed to do that to discover the whole planet. And he, he had this um, theory that we, you know, we would discover Fossil, that we had discovered fossil fuels and we would use those and as that gave us more leisure time and more um, ability to develop technology that we would come to this realization that one, fossil fuels were finite and they also had a downside which was environmental pollution. And the sad thing about Buckminster Fuller for me is that in the operating um, manual for spaceship Earth, he is absolutely convinced that by the year 2000 there would be no suffering on the planet, no one would starve because we would have evolved enough as a species to be able to support all the many, many, many millions of people here um, without anyone having to suffer. And of course, we failed fairly miserably at that. but. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think he was a very, you know, like anyone else, you know, not all his ideas worked, but a lot of his ideas were very um, on point. And, uh, and I also liked his, his uh, antidote to unemployment, which was people who don't have a job should be um, given a stipend that they could live off. And in return for that, they had to come up with good ideas, whatever those were. Uh, you know, 
a new way to make jam or, you know, nuclear fission or, you know, what, whatever your interest, you just had to come up with ideas. And it's like most of those ideas won't be very good, um, but some of them will be great and some of them will change things for us. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, what a great idea. Just kind of sitting around or standing by the side of the road begging. How about having enough to sustain yourself and, and feeling grateful about the society that sustained you and, and using your time to try and make things better for everyone? I remember doing an internship with a company in Connecticut who had um, a group of physicists that they called their unfettered physicists just sitting around coming up with ideas, nothing else. They could do any look into any area they wanted. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. It's fabulous. I mean, you know, it's just this, you know, this whole idea that we're, we're driven by profit um, it is, it is, is, should only be part, it should only be one ingredient, you know. I mean, profit, profit's good. Profit creates surplus and surplus creates wealth. And no one's saying wealth is a bad thing, but how you achieve it and, and what it engenders in terms of, you know, the quality of life for everyone here are really important things. And I, I think that, um, you know, we, you know, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about being open to ideas and, you know, moving forward. I mean, you know, it's just like I've changed my mind about so so many things um, in my life. And, you know, it's a humbling experience when you kind of all feeling one way about things and then, it dawns on you that maybe it's not such a good idea. And, you know, you have to be humble mm-hmm. and, and, and be able to accept that you're not right about everything. And, you know, I think that's a really important thing to do in, in terms of your personal growth as an individual. And um, I think sometimes we get very set in our ways and very defensive about who we are and the way we live. And, um, you know, it's all, it's, it's a good idea to remember there's always room for improvement. And if you keep your wits about you, you can learn something new every day. Well, absolutely. And sometimes uh, we are forced to rely uh, or fall back on our wits. If we're, we're downsized or whatever, or we suddenly find our economic situation changing. Um, I, want, I want to pursue that point, but I just want to tell our listeners that uh, we're speaking with Billy Sharp about her book, Lemons and Lavender, and you are listening to New Consciousness Review. Um, you talk about so many amazing initiatives out there for helping people share resources of, um, and, and make the most of what they have. What are some of your favorites and, and perhaps some of their websites? Um, well, personal favorite for me um, is the Free Cycle Initiative. And I'm pretty sure that's just free, you know, freecycle.com, maybe mm-hmm. .org. I'm not sure. I, I've been signed up for so long that they just, uh, my local chapter sends me um, what's on offer and uh, what's wanted every day. Basically, FreeCycle was started um, just over 10 years ago, and um, the guy whose name escapes me, but it was a brilliant guy, 
um, was shoving an office, and he had all this office equipment, and and nowhere really wanted it. Uh, you know, this local thrift store was like, we don't have room for it. It's not our kind of stuff. Or, and he was like, I just don't want to throw all this stuff away to landfill. So he started a small, you know, you know, he reached out to a group of friends and said, reach out to your other friends because I have 40 desks and. 20 computers and X amount of printers and this amount of chairs and he had all this stuff and you know sure enough um, people responded and were just like yeah and guess what I have this and this and this and so FreeCycle um, started local and it developed in local chapters so say in the Bay Area there's probably there's an East Bay chapter a San Francisco chapter a South Bay chapter and a North Bay chapter and you you know you can join up to your local chapter and every day I get an email uh, with you know 15 to 20 listings and some of them are you know offer um, bag of baby clothes um, ages this to this good condition you know lightly used whatever mm-hmm. um, and then wanted um, you know baby stroller or um, gla- you know Mm-hmm. I broke my blend. I broke the glass jug for my blender. It's this brand. Does anyone have one? And it's just amazing. I mean, it, and I when I first joined, I was just like, what is all this broken stuff here? Who the hell wants broken stuff? But you know, a lot of people need broken stuff because they need a part out of it to mend their broken thing, or you know. It's just what's incredible. There's a lot of people out there who see that we throw a lot of stuff in landfill and it shouldn't go there. And, you know, a lot of people have an issue with, take, you know, you can't give broken stuff to a thrift store because they don't have the resources to break it down or they don't have a broken section where people who are fixer-uppers can go sort through that stuff. In fact, we do have somewhere like that in San Francisco, but we're kind of ahead of the game in some <laughs> that stuff. But uh, I love that. And in a, in a more, in a less virtual sense, I also love the free box at Bellinas, um, which is a little town 30 or so miles outside San Francisco. And about 25 years ago, a couple were leaving their house and they had all this stuff and they didn't want to take it with them and they ran out of time and didn't have room in their already packed up car to take all this stuff to the thrift store. So they went behind the library and put some signs up and said, free, free box of stuff back here and left town. And uh, people sort of followed the sign and there was all this great stuff. and. They were like, this is great, and other people started taking stuff. Well, the free box in Bellinas is now like the free shed, and um, and it's just great. I mean, it's it, it's like a thrift store, but everything's free, and, um, you know, we would go there. When my kids were little, they'd grow out of stuff or, you know, mm-hmm. we'd take stuff there, and we'd leave with a bag of stuff, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes not. I mean, there was no, it wasn't like a, you have to take stuff there to leave with stuff but you know it's a great it was a great way to recycle and you know it's it, it's, and along those lines tell us about your naked lady parties ah well naked lady parties and that's not my name someone told me about that and um i kind of thought it was funny and 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 um 
and so we 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 adopted it. But um, but basically, uh, you know, it's this idea that you know our closets are full of things that we love that we never wear, and so uh, mine particularly. So and I kind of don't have a lot of money for buying new clothes, and so I sort of keep all these clothes that I actually don't wear. So I think I have clothes and. Uh, then I, I, I decided that that had to change, and um, I invited girlfriends to bring similar items from, from their closets that were full of stuff they didn't wear, and we, um, you know, bring a load of clothes over to somebody's house, and, you know, often kind of potluck as well, and... Um, and it's amazing what you come away with and how great it works out for everyone. And, you know, when we started doing it, I was like, don't worry about taking stuff home. Every, anything that's left will just take to the thrift store. But, you know, often we do it and there's barely, you know, a shopping bag full of stuff left. Everything's gone mm -hmm. to a new home. And it's, it's so just what, what is of, the optimal number of people to have at one of these things? I mean, it depends how much, you know, how much space you've got. I mean, you know, pe people have said to me in the past, oh, I can't come because no one's the same size as me. And, you know, I'm just like, mm, that's not going to be, that's not going to be a problem, you know, because a lot of stuff that people don't wear, they don't wear because it's not the right size for them. Mm -hmm. You know, they love it, but they're never going to be thin enough to get in it or... You know, they're never going to be big enough to get in it, that they love it, and it's cluttering up. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I because it's a lot of chain, you know, changing, I, I, I tend to kind of stick to people who I, who I either know each other or the kind of people I feel are, are, are not going to be embarrassed by changing their clothes in front of other people. I mean, but, you know, ultimately, if you if you had, you know, a big enough house, you you know, people could go... But, you know, part of the fun is trying stuff on in front of people and people go, oh, that's great, or no, it's totally not working. No, <laughs> really not working. It, <laughs> um, and it's very social, and it's great. You know, I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, you know, a lot of the things that are in your wardrobe that you never wear, you don't get rid of because you spent so much money on them and they're really nice things and they're practically new because they've never worked and you, you know, yeah, um, yeah. it's, it's just a great, it's, it's great. And you know, for, for a lot of people bringing up kids or studying or, you know, it's just amazing. It's like, what, it's very true. One person's junk is another person's treasure. Absolutely. Do your children take after you? in your environmental consciousness? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they, um, they, they really were a big part of me, you know, stepping up and not, and, 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 and sort of practicing what I preached because from quite early on, um, my eldest son would say to me, you know, how, how did we get in this state? Why were you guys doing this in the 60s and 70s? You know, why, why, and it's like, well, we didn't know it was happening. We, it was all, it was called progress, you know, and it was, you know, we didn't know that getting cheap clothes that were, you know, made in Thailand and dyed all these fabulous colors were 
we didn't realize the dye was poisonous and it was being run out into rivers and was destroying whole ecosystems. Of course we didn't know that, but now we know it, we're not supporting that, you know, and we, we have a very, I mean, you know, I think it's important with kids, you know, to, to not make them resent things, you know. I mean, it's just like when my kids were really little, it was like, you know, I found something fabulous in a thrift store and it was fabulous and they saw it was fabulous and they loved it. But, you know, then there's that, you know, even with boys, there's a period of self-consciousness and, you know, it was like, okay, it's important for you to have these skate shoes. Okay, mm-hmm. well, you know, we're, we're going to do that. And the way, you know, that was affordable for me to, to, to kind of indulge that um, was, you know, because I was doing stuff for myself the, mm-hmm. the other way, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, that awareness, I mean, these, you know, I think, I think kids these days, you know, they, they have different concerns and anxieties than we did when we were growing up. I mean, we worried, you know, about the bomb and they worry about the planet and the environment and it's coming at them, you know, every which way. And they, you know, that there's a very, um, accelerated consciousness in the coming generations who, who see that, who see that what they do will impact the future. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a great moment. I mean, you know, absolutely. Yeah. when they were, were worried about stuff, I was just like, yeah, but the great news is we know now. So now we do things differently. And, you know, you have to, you know, you have to practice what you preach if you want things to change. And, I think, you know, I, I, I'm very optimistic. I'm not sort of doomsday, it's all over, we've crossed the line. It's, you know, it's never too late. And I feel really um, inspired by so many people um, going back to basics. And I mean, we have this fabulous initiative in San Francisco, the, the Free Farm, and this guy, Tree, um, who started it, runs a free farm stand, and he has all these gardens all over the city that, you know, he's growing food and he gives all the food away. Once a week, there's a free farm stand and you go to the website and it's like this, you know, as of this week, we've given away, mm-hmm. you know, 500,000 pounds worth of uh, weight of food since, you know, 2003 or, or whatever. Uh, you know, and and at, at this really time... With... The cities can feed themselves and we can improve yeah. our you know, the, our environment by growing more stuff, by greening the cities, improving the air quality, and, you know, um, it's very satisfying. I mean, you know, to, you know, you always see in schools the little gardening projects, the kids are so, so connected and feel so great, even if it's just a little bit of watercress growing in an eggshell. And, you know, and adults have that feeling, too. I mean, it's very empowering. And this idea that we, we can be in control of our destinies and our diets and we can do it all affordably. It's not like these pipe dreams that we need money to make happen. We're, we're just, you know, we can make it happen. Absolutely. Billy, how do people find out more about you? Well, um, there's always my book. Which is Lemons and Lavender, The Eco Guide to Better Housekeeping. Does the book have a website? You know, it doesn't. Um, and it, it, probably, it probably should, but um, it doesn't at the, 
the moment, and um, you know, I, I guess I, I guess I might, and it, uh, the, the, you know, there's the kind of there's a pro and con with that, I guess, in that it would take quite a while to put the whole book up online, and <laughs> I mean, it is on. I mean, you can buy it as an ebook. But, um, you know, on the one hand, the publishers are selling the book, and if I put the whole book up online for free, why would anyone bother to buy it? Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, uh, I, I think um, I think these ideas that I, uh, you know, that I've articulated in the book are, are out there. You know, I'm not the only person saying um, this kind of stuff, and I, you know, I, I hope a lot of people read my book and uh, but uh, and 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 learn from it. But I, I feel like this this stuff is is out there, and it's it's all about one's you know desire to to help the planet and help ourselves and live a happy life um, without having to um, pay a lot of money for it. Oh, well, I think this is definitely a book for this time. So, uh, Billy Sharp, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a delight. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It was great to talk with you. We've been speaking with Billy Sharp about her book, Lemons and Lavender, The Eco Guide to Better Homekeeping. Goodbye. Our guest next week will be Jared Hewitt talking about the book he co-authored with Dee Wallace called The Big E, Everything is Energy, Unleashing the Power of Everyday Wisdom. Now we're going to close the show with our track of the week from members of the Positive Music Association. This week we're featuring New World by Gary Stoddard from Salt Lake City.
Stoddard. Gary is a seasoned singer-songwriter, visual artist, and actor with three CDs and four full-length musicals to his credit. He's one of the PMA's growing group of musicians who are using music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. To find out more about Gary's music, go to GaryStoddard.com. And to discover more great music or to join the PMA, go to PositiveMusicAssociation.com. If you enjoyed our show, you can now download our mobile app and listen to all the interviews from NCR Radio. You'll find the link on our website at ncreview.com, where you can also scan the QR code right to your iPhone or Android. As a bonus, the app has two other tabs for the latest books and videos on our site. If you have any comments on the show, I would love to hear from you. Just visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ncreview. So until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>